Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Emily, and I am a Forks High School student nonchalantly eating my lunch in the corner, unbothered. And I'm Paige. I'm also a Forks High School student eating lunch when, out of nowhere, a brick explodes right next to me with no probable cause as to why. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's up, Paige? How's it going today? It's going great. I ordered a sweater a couple weeks ago, and... um. I'm wearing it right now. It's so comfortable. It finally came. It shipped from China and it finally arrived. I was noticing that. I feel like I don't get the reference. What What is it referencing? It's a, a Pokemon. It's my favorite Pokemon. In case anyone's wondering, it has Psyduck on it. <laughs> it's very cute and it looks very cozy. It is literally the comfiest sweater that I own now. It's so soft. Turn up. Um... I have Funny. nothing to add. <laughs> Anything new with your life? Um, not really. I went back to work after two weeks off, and it is not going well for me. My brain is just like, what if we didn't? <laughs> my, my logical part of my brain is like, yeah, but we have to. And the worst part is, is like, um, without revealing too much about my personal life, I write grants, kind of, for a living. And so I'm working on one for the literal Department of Defense, AKA you can't fucking screw around. And so it's basically like writing a really intense research paper the day you get back from Christmas break is what it feels like. And I'm like, no, it's so hard. I'd rather so, not. Yeah, I would also rather not. But other than that, I'm good. Um, trying to trying to do meatless Mondays for my New Year's resolution. Um, not necessarily on Mondays, but just, you know, at least one meatless day a week. That's so. Nice. Yeah, we'll let you know how that goes. Cool. So you you told me that you had some kind of observation, but you wouldn't tell me what it was before we started recording. So what is it? Okay, so um, several of my coworkers know about this podcast, um, and I would say the vast majority of them are um, women. They identify as female, um, and a few of them are are men. And one of them the other day asked me how my pod was going or how our pod is going and I was like oh yeah it's great like we're on to the second or we're reading we started a second book and he was like so is it like what's it about and I'm like oh it's pretty much just about Twilight it's not really about anything else and he was like oh man like I was obsessed with Twilight like I read all the books I saw all the movies but I was like so embarrassed you know back in middle school when I did that all no one knew about it but like I still I love the books I like really want to reread them and like he was talking and another one of my male co-workers was like oh yeah I love the movies too back in the day and like Danny has read all the books and seen all the movies um one of our mutual friends from high school who's also male said that he's seen all the movies too. Like, I just, growing up, it always seemed like it was more geared towards a female audience. But like now I'm seeing that isn't necessarily the case. Like, what is what is your like observations on gender and the Twilight fandom? Um, that is a very layered question. I feel like back in the day, a lot of people were like bullied and by people, I mean people who identified as male were bullied or there was like implied bullying that if you ever said that you were a fan of Twilight, that it implied that you were a member of the LGBTQ community, which obviously there are, you know, fans in that community that were male, you know, back then and now, but not necessarily all of them were. And so I feel like, people were really discouraged from liking it. It's another one of those things that's like, I feel like Twilight is the most recognizable of it, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one, like not so much now, but I feel like Taylor Swift back then who we've drawn comparisons to before, but like, I feel like guys weren't supposed to like her. I'm, I'm sure there's other ones that aren't coming, you know, readily to my mind, but I feel like it was just one of those things where it was like, Oh, if you like that, then you're this, this, and this. So yeah, it kind of sucks that, like, it was taken in that way. And I think part of the reason was how the media portrayed it. I mean, there was the whole sparkly vampires thing that got totally blown out of proportion. I think that's, like, the nexus of the problem. <laughs> um, 
but also also I think it comes back to like the media always portraying and I don't want to always be like the media the media the media because I consume media and I used to be a member of the media but just the media and popular culture and society always wants to paint things that women large numbers of women are interested in as like way too girly inaccessible to males you know things like that where they just want to like belittle it and make it into stupid or plotless or things like that so I think that was another layer of it um I don't know if I'm answering your question but yeah yeah like going off of what you said all of the people that I mentioned as far as I know are not don't identify as being a member of the LGBT plus community so it's interesting that like that would be like what people would assume but from what I've experienced from just the people that I know that have expressed I really like that movie I read all the books none of them are they all identify as cis straight males so it's just interesting that you might automatically think one thing but it's not completely true at all yeah yeah I agree and I don't want to speak for you know, cis straight males on why they were embarrassed back then, because I'm not one of them. But that was always the vibe that I got and that I actually witnessed back then, you know. Um, And especially back then, there was much less, which is not to say that this doesn't exist right now, because it definitely does. But there was much less um, restraint, I guess, or like people who are aware of the offensiveness of calling certain things, you know, by slurs referring to members of the LGBTQ community. I mean, I just feel like it was way more popular back then. And, you know, a lot of popular popular media did it, you know, all kinds of TV shows, like made jokes out of just the existence of an LGBTQ character. So I feel like that was kind of the culture back then, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you asked, yeah. Um, it's definitely an important thing to look at and be like, yeah, guys can like this too. And if we have any male listeners, whether you're cis or not, we welcome you. And we are so happy that you're here. Yeah, our um, our wonderful intro-outro music is made by a male who loves Twilight. We, you know, anyone who loves Twilight is welcome here. And guess what? If you, well... If you don't love Twilight, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast in the first place, but if you're neutral to, I'm okay with Twilight, you know, you're so welcome here too. Agreed, agreed. Maybe we have some hate listeners, that would be amazing. (laughs) I mean, that's dedication to, like, really invest this much time into something you hate. (laughs) True, true. Um, Yeah, I'm actually, I don't know, I'll have to look into that a little bit more and see if I can find an article or something for us to discuss, but I, like... That you brought that up. Yeah, it made me think also of um, why going into it, I just assumed that it would be a largely female audience. And it reminded me a lot of when a friend of the pod, Tommy, told me that he liked Teen Wolf. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's such like a feminine girly show. And he's like, you don't even know. Like it's really filled with a lot of action and crazy stuff. Like you should definitely watch it. And then when I did, I was like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on in this show that like, I feel like I just misconstrued it because there's just hot men in it. You know, like there's way more going on. And I feel like it Twilight has a similar vibe to it that it's like there's action and you know supernatural fantasy elements it's not just romance yes definitely I think that's a major part of it is that people who knew nothing about it just thought it was a romance like you know like one of those I don't want to call them throwaway because people work hard on them but like those throwaway romance novels with Fabio on the cover like you know what I mean yeah 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 Well, anyways, this week we read chapter two of Midnight Sun, which was called Open Book. What did you think of this chapter, Paige? Definitely lots of interesting things going on. Um, The first few pages of it really took me by, not necessarily by surprise, but it was interesting because we got characters that 
never even heard of. We're in Alaska, all that craziness. Um, my theory for what open book was going to be was kind of wrong. And after reading it, I was like, oh, yes, I remember why the chapter is called open book. So it was definitely, definitely cool to read Edward kind of realizing that there's more to Bella than what he thinks. However, I was not a fan of Edward's callousness and rudeness and objectifyingness throughout the whole thing. Wasn't really a fan of that, but the content of it, like what was going on and how the story is coming along, I did like it. Okay, that's good. And I agree. Um, it's funny because I was talking with friend of the pod, Remy, about my choice to do Midnight Sun now as opposed to at the end. And I was like, I'm a little worried that there might be like a couple spoilers here and there. I honestly don't remember <laughs> if there are any, um, but we'll just play it by ear and see. I mean, it is what it is. But I, when I was reading this, I was like, man, this is so interesting because like everyone who had read the series that then went on to read Midnight Sun knows who Tanya is. And like, you have no idea. So I was like, damn, that's gonna be really interesting to get her take on this character. I definitely got that vibe that like if I had read this book after being a part of the Twilight community and reading all the books, I would know exactly who this is. I fully assumed that there is more information to be had of this character um, because the way that it's worded sort of insinuates that there's information that you're supposed to know, but it really didn't give anything away. I just, just the fact that this character is just introduced without, I mean, there's a little backstory, but it's just like, oh, Tanya just showed up and oh yeah, she's, you know, just here and that she's just this quote unquote eye roll promiscuous character, succubus character. I don't know. It just got the vibe that if, if you had read the other books, you would know exactly what was going on. Oh yeah, Tanya. Oh yeah, of course, Tanya. I I just got the the vibe from it that she's not a new character. That she's someone who has been introduced. That you should know who she is, basically. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and that is accurate. Um, I would also like to say that I just actually, I mean, Stephanie Meyer sucks in her views on sex suck but I love that Tanya owns the fact that she's a succubus she says the original <laughs> I'm like hell yeah I might get that tattooed look if I have I don't know all of forever to be alive I'm gonna hang out with some guys I'll do it <laughs> I'll have some fun and I love so much I mean I'm yeah I'm pretty sure Edward talked about this where he was like, they no longer eat their prey or whatever. Yeah. Um, I love so much that it's just like so black widow, like femme fatale. I don't know. That's kind of like the aesthetic I strive for, but will never achieve. I just, I like that. I like that. It's that energy, but the body that it's described in is like this, like tiny blonde curly hair. It's just, it's just not the person you would expect it to be but it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So as we've been saying, um, the chapter just opens right up into Edward kind of sitting in the snow. Also, I saw a post recently where someone like, I don't think it was Jack from The Shining, but someone was just like Edward in Alaska. <laughs> and it was like, you know, when he like freezes to death at the end. Yeah. It was a picture of that. It was hilarious. But um and he's basically just complaining that he can't appreciate anything because all he can see is Bella's face. And I just, yeah, I, uh, we'll get into it. <laughs> but um, he hears Tanya approaching and he realizes that she's been kind of trying to gather the, the courage to have this conversation for a few days. So she's like kind of trying to mess with him. She jumps into a snowbank and like sprays snow all over them all over him and I'm so dead that he just lays there and doesn't move and he's she's like it was a joke <laughs> sad I Edward it doesn't really strike me as the kind of guy who's a big fan of practical jokes yeah I just don't think he likes humor in general <laughs> yeah whenever he laughs 
and or chuckles. I mean, I think it's even mentioned in this chapter that he forces himself to laugh to make it sound more natural. And I that doesn't surprise me. Like what's weird is the thought of him laughing. How <laughs> if that sounds bizarre. I I mean it is, but it is, but it's so funny that like and kind of sad that his character is so well established that it's like, oh my gosh, he never laughs. I mean, Bella doesn't really laugh that much either, to be honest. She's not super like, bah, 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 I'm really cheery right now. You know, like she seems pretty mellow in the first book anyways. They both need to like lighten up, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So um, Edward and Tanya kind of have this conversation that we have sort of referenced already. But Edward apologizes for being rude to her. And... She, and he says, you know, that he's probably going to be leaving. And she says, it's my fault. And it's clear that, like, there's some kind of history here. What do you think, like, is the deal here? The vibe that I got was that, I mean, I'm, I feel like the way that Stephanie set up Tanya's character made it out to be that she would she would want Edward you know he's so handsome and hot and since she's already portrayed as this character who spends all this time with all of these men that Edward would be a love interest or at least a lust interest um and I'm assuming he turned her down or just said she he wasn't interested you know that's kind of the vibe that I got and then maybe she was like well I have eternity so if you change your mind you can come on back and then he comes back but it's not the reason that she wanted it to be yeah that's kind of a bummer for her I mean I know she's not like in love with him but it is kind of a bummer that he rolled up and she was like oh hell yeah and then he was like actually I just want to brood alone (laughs) it's like why'd you come here then you could have gone anywhere (laughs) Literally, Alaska is enormous. You could have gone to any barren, snowy field. You could have gone to Russia. Like, why did you have to, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know, it's weird to me. Maybe he spent some time talking to them, but it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, it it really doesn't. Just the, the brevity of his stay and the conversation that they had, just it doesn't seem like he's there to hang out with his friends. Like, seems yeah. like he wasn't being very talkative or did a lot with them he was just kind of chilling in the snow yes for six fucking days and later on I made a note he says I can make it back to Carlisle's car in less than an hour and I'm like so you just like park the car and then like post it up in the snow or what you walk an hour away from the car why wouldn't you just walk like maybe like a mile or even less like you don't have to go that far to lay in the snow I don't know. The whole situation doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. Small potatoes, I guess. Um, so Edward kind of rejects her again, um, but says, you're a thousand times lovelier than the stars, Tanya. Of course, you're already well aware of that. Don't let my stubbornness undermine your confidence. And she's just kind of rattled. Um, she's not used to, you know, not getting what she wants. And she is actually kind of hurt by it, which we find out, you know, when she leaves, because she's trying to hide it in her thoughts right now, but she kind of gives herself away. I I think it's also, I mean, I, I don't necessarily blame Tanya for being a little heartbroken, because on page 26, he goes to kiss her on the cheek, and, like, if someone has expressed a love interest or like even like I'm remotely interested in you even if you're gonna kiss them on the cheek cordially like as a friend don't kiss someone on the cheek just to do it like this isn't Europe this isn't Australia we don't kiss people on the cheeks here this is America I mean she is Russian it's it it says that she has a, a Russian accent so she's Russian but Edward doesn't kiss anyone on the cheek you never you never see that anywhere I mean Alice kisses Bella on the cheek way back in you know Twilight but if someone the whole point I'm trying to make is if someone has a crush on you don't be kissing them if you're not doing it because you want to kiss them you know like that's just gonna send the wrong message so I don't blame Tanya for being a little crestfallen here 
I 100% agree. I'm at the point where I'm like, because this has happened to me, where I'm like, don't even hug them. (laughs) No, don't. So, but she's nice enough to say that she believes in him, basically. She's like, you're going to face it head on. You're the type. Um, And that kind of encourages him. So he takes off. It's kind of weird how this chapter is kind of just like doing some time jumps, but also I appreciate it because I don't want to read useless shit. I was kind of surprised that it went straight from him driving off from the last chapter and then suddenly being in Alaska and he's like pretty much already on his way back by the time we get into it. Like I really thought that they were going to start in Forks with him saying goodbye to Carlisle then maybe time jump to Alaska. But they just she just jumped right on in to basically the end of Alaska, which was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, it's an interesting way to sequence things, for sure. But anyways, um, so time jumps again to the crew, minus Carlisle and Esme, at school. And they're all just, like, acting like bodyguards and stuff. Um... And, like, kind of, like, just really tense. And Alice is trying to be, like, um, she's not here yet, but she's going to come in. But she's not going to be done with, so it's going to be fine. And Edward is being so fucking rude to them. Like, do, don't you think so? Where he's, like, their behavior was ludicrous. If I weren't positive that I could handle this moment, I would have stayed home. They're just trying to help you. Is their behavior ludicrous? Because uh, eight days ago, you were plotting 627 different ways on how to murder an entire class. I feel like it's not that ludicrous. You're jeopardizing their lives just as much as your own by tempting yourself like this. Yes. Yeah. I This comparison literally just jumped into my brain this millisecond, but re-Rosalie and how annoyed she is and how Edward says that she's thinking only of herself. It reminds me of COVID. He, like, is taking a risk that could potentially expose and change the lives of his entire family, which is kind of what some people have been doing in COVID. Like, they do it and they know it'll affect their family if it ends badly, but they do it anyways. And they're judgmental to others who are just trying to do the right thing. Yes. Hmm. Very timely. So anyways, um, trying to act normal and appear human, they have this snowball fight that Paige and I mentioned in the intro. Um, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but (laughs) first Jasper asks if anyone is thinking about what Bella might have said about Edward and his behavior towards her. And nobody's thinking about it. So he kind of theorizes that she didn't say anything to anyone. And um, I I was going to ask you, do you think if this guy acted like you smelled like dog shit and like was staring at you with a death glare twice, would you say anything to anyone? Maybe if I wasn't a brand new person, I think it, I think it's very, it was probably very intimidating for her to be put in that situation. And also you're the brand new person at this school. Maybe if I was more established and I had known Jessica or Angela longer, maybe I would say something, but it doesn't surprise me that I would probably just be really, really embarrassed and not want to tell anyone. I already feel embarrassed that I'm already here at this school. So maybe just keep silent and no one will notice and it will just blow over and it will be fine. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Well, not exactly, but my main thing was like, if I tell someone else, they're going to be like, does she smell bad? You know, like it's going to like perpetuate my fears about myself. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't think I would say anything yeah if I like if it was me and you at the high school that we went to and some fucker did this to me I would definitely tell you about it but like I would know I would know that person you know and so I probably would have confronted them (laughs) on the spot but anyway so on page 21 29 I just want to say actually can you just read my notes the all caps can you read them sheeple again question mark exclamation point question mark exclamation point sub note god i love emmett (laughs) yes i was getting to that but why why is he once again doing the sheeple thing 
I don't know. I, I mean, it's just, I feel like it's just like a superiority thing. Like it makes him, it belittles others while also simultaneously making him like, well, I don't believe all that. I'm not, I'm not that kind of a person. Like I'm above all that. And also they're below me because they are a part of that. Stupid. You could say that one more time. If Edward had a Facebook account, he would be banned all the time for saying stupid shit like this. I know that this is completely wrong. And do you think that Edward would like Monster Energy Drink? If he could, if he could ingest it. I feel like he's too hipster for it. I feel like that's not his brand. His brand is like imported tea from fucking some random ass place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. I'm okay. He's, he was into kombucha in the year 2007. Like he's like way above the trends. (laughs) Yeah, I could see it. Oh my god, it literally just hit me like a lightning bolt that I had a dream last night that I was a vampire in the Twilight universe and I had to eat some food because my parents didn't know I was a vampire and then <laughs> it was bad. Why am I why did I have that dream? You're just the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> no, I don't want to be a vampire. I don't even know why I mentioned that because Wait no, you go you go first. You don't know what happens yet when they eat food, so this is, like, not as interesting of a story as I want it to be, but when you find out, you're gonna lose your mind. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to be a vampire either, to be honest. Like, my life is already insufferable enough. (laughs) True. True. I would like my skin to get better. You know, just just to be nicer. (laughs) But your skin looks so good. What do you mean? But imagine how good it would be if I got the vampire venom in me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it would be cool to be hot. I would just try how many things, like how many, how much I could get away with, you know? Hmm. Yeah. If I was going to be a vampire, I'd want to be like a Tanya. Mm-hmm. Not wearing shoes in the snow, doing flips and shit. Yeah, wearing a camisole. <laughs> oh, that was a really mid-2000s outfit choice right there. It was. It made me laugh. Okay, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, on page 29, um, what I was referencing about Emmett was that, was that Alice is trying to look human, and Emmett's like, all right, but <laughs> and fucking cracks a wall, and I'm so dead that his soulmate... The love of his eternal life is like very human, Emmett. I am just picturing that, you know, the fam is having this like, you know, intense conversation. Like, can you like we're gonna be okay? Like, you know, this, that, this, that, this, that. And I'm he's holding a handful of snow under the table, like they don't even know. Like, I, I love that he's just like, I have my own prerogatives right now and it's to throw this freaking snowball at Alice yes and I love that he picked Alice of all people (laughs) oh my god he's king himbo and I love him so much and I love that he to back to Rosalie when she says very human Emmett he's why don't you punch through a wall while you're at it and he says it would look more impressive if you did it gorgeous (laughs) I love that I it's it struck me as like corny as Edward but like he's not trying to sound pompous or anything like he's just trying to be a goof yes and he really like probably calls her gorgeous I bet he doesn't even call her by her name half the time Mm -hmm. I feel like he has a lot of nicknames for her I don't know that's just my that's my headcanon I love that (sighs) so then Edward kind of tunes into what's going on at Bella's table um also I I want to say for someone so old Edward sure is clueless like when he's talking about Mike Newton and it pisses him off like how protective and possessive of him he is I'm like and and he says multiple times like I don't know why I should care about by the way the girl which did you notice how many times he said it in this chapter I was gonna 
I started thinking like, I'm going to count it and compare it to how many times he calls her by her name. And I was like, I don't have the fucking time for it. I'm sorry. I don't. I think he calls her by her name like once. (laughs) It was, it was enough times that the thought crossed my mind to count it, to compare it. That's how much. Yep. But anyways, what was I saying? Oh, um, he's just so fucking clueless how he's like, why should I care about the girl? And I'm like, literally everyone knows you're in love with her already. Like, we all see this coming. It just, it's so denial of him to be, to be telling himself, I don't care. Why should I even care? I, I don't care. Why, why are you asking me if I care? Because I don't. It's like, well, <laughs> you're really denying it quite a few times there. Maybe tone it down a bit. Yeah. Like, so see-through in his actions. Um, so, basically, you know, we've already witnessed this from Bella's point of view, but she is, like, thinking about, you know, why, or is, she's happy he's back, but, like, really nervous for class, and Jessica is, like, he's staring at you, um, and Bella's like, stop, stop looking at him, stop, look away, or whatever. Um, and the whole time Edward is just staring at her basically because he wants to try to figure out how to read her thoughts and he's not having any success at all. Um, so eventually the lunch period ends and none of the colons get up. They're all just kind of like, what's Edward going to do? Um, and they're all kind of, they're kind of arguing about it because Jasper is like, why would you risk it? Just go home. Alice is like, I think it's going to be fine, you know, based on her visions. Rosalie is, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, just saying, like, I don't want to move yet. Like, don't ruin this for the rest of us, which I totally feel her. Emmett's like, who cares? Get it over with. Just go. Um, And Edward finally decides to go basically solely because he wants to learn more about her because he can't read her thoughts. What did you think of that? Not a good reason, my friend. <laughs> like, that's so selfish. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. like, that's the only word I could use to describe that. Selfish. Yeah, because, like, he is fully putting her at risk by doing so, just so that he can, like, s- satiate his curiosity. And also so many other people at risk, too. Mm-hmm. True. True. I have a a philosophical question for you. Okay. Do you think that if Edward had been able to read Bella's thoughts, that they ever would have fallen in love or had a relationship? Hmm. I think that a large portion, and you can definitely see that in this chapter specifically, a large portion of why Edward feels drawn to her is because, don't judge the way that I'm phrasing this, but she's not like the other girls. Like she's, there's something about her that sets her apart. He can't unlock all of her mysteries as easily as anyone else. She's not an open book, so to speak, like everyone else. And if Bella, who, for from what I know about her from the first book, she's very hard-headed and she has a a self-confidence to herself if she knew that Edward was constantly reading her thoughts I don't know how that would sit with her because she she was kind of okay with him breaking into her house so maybe she would be fine with it I don't know but I don't think it it's I guess I think maybe it's possible but I don't think it would be as strong and strong and I don't want to say sexy that's not the right word I just mysterious as it is the fact that he can't do it I think the fact that he can't read her thoughts is like the very first thing that drew him to her so if he could what what else because in the beginning when he's just seen her he just calls her an ordinary girl he's not like drawn to her really in any way the thing that draws him to her is the mystique of it all. So I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to step on a limb and I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say, no, I think that Edward would be kind of a dick about it. So 
And I think also he would read her mind and she'd be like, oh my gosh, Edward, he's so beautiful. Oh my God, he thinks that I smell so good. Oh my God. Or, well, not so good. He thinks I smell really bad. Oh my God. And she would be thinking about him so much. And then he's, you know, Edward being like, oh my God, every girl is so obsessed with me. I think that that would deter him from liking her if he knew how much she was obsessed with him. That was a lot of me rambling to get to my answer, which is no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's literally what I wanted. I wanted you to like discuss it. Um, I have to agree. I really have to agree. I don't think he would. I think, and this is going to sound harsh and cynical because that's me, <laughs> harsh and also cynical. I think that the draw of Bella for him is the break in the monotony because he's just been going to school every day alone, learning the same shit over and over for 78 fucking years or whatever he says later. And all of a sudden there's this one thing, this one nut that he can't crack, you know? And yeah, I think that's why he falls in love with her. Like, I mean, it's that initially. And then like, cause it's, it's weird to me how even in this chapter, he had called her ordinary, as you said, and now he's like, actually, she is kind of pretty. Like, I feel like he never would have noticed that if she if he had been able to read her thoughts. Mm-hmm. And one thing that just crossed my mind, you ever meet someone who they just think they're so smart and so much better than you in every way and they can do all these things better than you can and mostly the smart thing if there was if there was something that they couldn't figure out like my dad is really like this like if there's something he just doesn't know something that like he can't grasp or he he needs he needs he needs it he needs to know what's going on he will not stop thinking about it or like trying to get to the bottom of it going over it in his head and you see that like the fact that he couldn't read her mind she's so mysterious to him he's literally sitting in snow under the fucking aurora borealis thinking of bella's face like he can't stop thinking about her and i feel like it's because he can't crack that nut he wants to and he just fucking can't and that upsets him so much that now he's interested 100 percent. i could not have said it better myself so anyways um edward ends up going to class and he sits down with bella and they have a lab today and obviously him and bella have to be partners which we remember from twilight so what did you think of this conversation from edward's point of view i know you kind of said in the beginning that you were not super happy with his behavior but what are your thoughts on it I liked I liked that he was trying to make up for how he acted earlier because he knew that he probably scared her and made her upset and he was really trying to write that but again I feel like it's he's doing this for selfish reasons like he's he could just I mean he could just be like hey sorry I was weird like I was having a really bad day the other day and they could just do the lab and like I I don't know. I just, I feel like he's being nice because like you said, he's trying to read her thoughts. He's trying to like find a way to like get inside of her head. And I don't really like that. I did like that he was trying to be a better guy, but you know, for what? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then when he kind of realizes that it's not going to work, getting into her mind he's just like okay well I'll just ask a bunch of like prying questions which I remember Bella being like why is he so interested in my life and being kind of flattered and honestly I'd be flattered too but like it's just funny to read Edward's point of view where he's like am I being nosy I'm being nosy yeah 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 also not even important to the plot at all but can we talk about the science teacher when he comes over and he's like he mutters under his breath or he's like good at least like other kids will be able to learn something (laughs) like so snotty I, I'm imagining myself living the life of a public school science biology teacher. He is just sick of this shit. <laughs> he is yeah. not getting paid enough. It is raining outside. It was snowing earlier. He's probably bald. You know, his life isn't good. 
Yes, yes, agree. Um, I will say that they changed this character in the Twilight movie. He's only in the first one, unfortunately. No. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's only in the first one. But that character's name is Mr. Molina, and he is an icon. I love him so much. Oh, man. I can't wait to get or to have you see what he's like. He's hilarious. He's like one of those people yes. who like, what? I've seen it. I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't remember. It's like one of those people who has a very minor like side role, but ends up like, like standing out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the guy from Jurassic World who's running away from the pterodactyls holding two margaritas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, also, I just want to say mood. I mean, obviously not mood, but also mood is when Edward has to breathe for the first time and it just says its own line, its own paragraph. Ah! Exclamation point. <laughs> That's how I feel, like, if I'm holding my breath, trying to walk by, like, something that I know is going to be really stinky and then I can finally, like, ah! <gasps> Like, if I haven't cleaned the cat box in a long time and I'm, like, trying to, like, get from one location to the other without smelling in those toxic fumes. You know what it made me think of? What? In the Fry Cook Games episode of Spongebob, when Patrick comes in on that giant guy, like, strapped to him, and for some reason they're all, like, screaming or whatever. I think, like, they both rip off their shirts and they're, like, screaming, and then the giant goes, ah! Yeah. (laughs) Odds I put that as our audio clip this week, just that. Ah. (laughs) Oh, classic. So they go through the lab, as we know, and they have this whole conversation about kind of why Bella's here. And Edward is kind of shook by how selfless she is. Um, and this is also where he mentions that she is actually sort of pretty for a human in an unusual way. Like, wow, could that be any more backhanded? Actually, sort of pretty for a human in an unusual way. Two things. One, I'll I'll comment on that and then I'll go back to another thing. But Imagine you're Bella, and not not that, like, she would be able to do this, but imagine you're Bella, who is, like, so, has nothing but good things to say about Edward, and then going and reading this book from your boyfriend's point of view and him describing you like that, like, how horrible. <laughs> oh, my God, I just lost it on camera. <laughs> Like, damn, I didn't need to know that. (laughs) What was your other thing? And then my other thing, when they're doing the lab, Bella is the one who looks at the first slide. And she says, uh, prophase. And Edward asks, is it all right if if I see so I can, like, agree? And she's like, yeah, sure. And he looks and he's like, okay, yeah, you're right, prophase. And then... Edward goes, and he, what does he have? Um, Anaphase. And Bella goes, can I look? And the paragraph, he says, I looked up, surprised to see that she was waiting expectantly, one hand half, uh, half stretched toward the microscope. She didn't look afraid. Did she really think I'd gotten the answer wrong? Bro, you just asked to check her work. Is it not fair that she can check yours, too? Like, she doesn't know you have two fucking medical degrees. Like, like, have a little bit of, like, equality here. You just asked to check her. Like, she's allowed to check you, too. It's schoolwork. Yes, and also, that's how labs work, from my limited knowledge of the science class I last took in junior year of high school. <laughs> it's like, that's how it works so that both people, quote-unquote, learn. Even if you both know what you're doing, like... You have to be like, oh, yep, mm -hmm, yep. That's how labs work. Mm -hmm, That's true. I just thought it was just like coffee. Yeah, it is. I thought you said coffee for a second and I was like, "Mm, that sounds good. It does sound good. (laughs) Um, So before they kind of get into why Bella is there, she asks if he got contacts. And I'm just like, how do you not realize what she's getting at? 
He's like, what an odd question. I'm like, your eyes literally changed color and that's an odd question? Yeah, it's it's been established in the past book. Like when Laurent's group shows up, they have a completely different colored eye. It's It should be well known by this family that their eyes... Poor, the, the the eyes construe information you know they give that they tell you they're a vegetarian they're not a vegetarian they're hungry they're not hungry like he's being real dumb here he's been drinking some dumb bitch juice he had half a fucking gallon <laughs> it also seems extremely unlikely to me he goes on into this whole speech about how humans have never noticed this before and in forks because they're all too scared they don't make eye contact with us and i'm like that seems just really unlikely to me like even your teachers yeah like you're saying not a single person has ever looked you in the eye what about when you went to um walgreens to pick up pencils for class you're telling me that the cashier was ringing you up not looking at you at all yeah, what about Mrs. Cope, who's like, or sorry, Miss Cope, who like you stared into her freaking eyes? Yeah, seriously, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, humans have to look into the eyes. It's, it's just a thing that we do. It, it's, it's weird to not do it. I, I would take it as a threat if someone is like, not, like if they're talking with me, forcing themselves not to look into my eyes. Like that would be threatening to me. I don't know how we've made it this far into our relationship because I am terrified of eye contact. I did know that, but like, I know that about you. So like, if you didn't do it, I wouldn't think anything weird of it. Like if, if someone and this is a small town, so you're probably seeing the same people over and over. I don't know if I, if they refuse, if they're super secretive and they're also not making eye contact with me, I don't know. I'd be suspicious. Yeah, and it's like they live, like, outside of town. They are all together, even though they're siblings. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's a lot of... It just... Charlie's making a big deal about people talking. Is it really bizarre that people are talking? I don't think so. No, I would definitely be gossiping about them. Also, they have a major um, vibe here of the fall of the House of Usher. Did you ever read that? Mm. Girl, you gotta go read that. I wrote... So I read that. It's an Edgar Allan Poe short story. And I read that in my thesis prep class, which was basically like we had to write a practice thesis. It was intense. But um, I wrote mine on that. And it was basically about how the girl in that is the most badass character in literature ever. So you should read it. I have a big, huge, I think it's like all of the work of Edgar Allan Poe books. So I'm sure I have it in that book up there. Literally read it as soon as we're done here. (laughs) Well, I have nothing else to do. Um, okay. So, yeah, this is when Bella kind of goes into the whole thing with her mom and Phil. And Edward's trying to be, like, sympathetic, but is also being kind of nosy. And then he does that whole thing that we had a long discussion about where he says, you put on a good show, but I'd be willing to bet that you're suffering more than you let anyone see. And Bella is, like, makes a face about it. And and he calls her, like, she, yeah, he says she wasn't the average martyr. She didn't want an audience for her pain. And also, it's very interesting to me when she asks him, like, why do you even care? Doesn't, oh, yeah, why does it matter to you? And he says, that's a very good question. And then he has to, like, sit there thinking about it and then doesn't realize that he never answered. I, okay, I'm putting myself in Bella's shoes. Hottest, hottest in the office, Mr. Edward Cullen is giving me the time of day and I'm shocked about it he wants to know about what's going on in my life he's not acting like I smell bad and it's bizarre so I point out hey you know that's kind of bizarre why do you even care and then he goes hmm that's a good question and then never answers that would petrify me I'm like I ruined it my chances are gone like he, he just admitted he's not actually interested like that's just that makes me feel so nervous inside as a, as a girl who, like, maybe has a crush. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I think it would depend on the delivery of it, because there is a way to interpret it that way. But if he's like, if he's like, that's a good question, then I'm kind of like, am I mysterious? <laughs> I mean, back then, I wouldn't have had the confidence to be like, am I mysterious? And I'm Bella definitely doesn't, from what we remember from Twilight. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's kind of how he's, like, saying it. 
Yeah, I could see it that way. I'm just, my own interpretation, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably would interpret it the same way. Um, so then that's when she says that she's annoying. She's annoyed at herself because she's too easy to read. And Edward is like, uh, what? It is so ironic. This is like literally the definition of irony. Folks, if you don't know what the definition of irony is, this is it for you. Yes, um, Alanis Morissette is playing in the background. I I don't think at this point in Twilight, when we were reading this part, I don't think that I remembered that he could read minds. Mm-mm, you didn't. Yeah. So reading this part now, I was like, I was flabbergasted that this happened in Twilight. And like, thinking about it now in Edward's point of view, I'm like, damn, Stephanie really came through with the irony here. Yes. Also, can we talk about as an English major and an English minor, how the way that our society has used irony has been wrong all along. And the most ironic quote unquote thing about the song Irony by, or ironic by Alanis Morissette is that it's actually not about irony at all. Yeah. (laughs) That haunts me at night. Then I just go on and keep using it the wrong way. <laughs> you know what? It not there a word for like something that's been used wrong so long that like now the wrong definition of it is accepted? There is a word for it. I don't know what it is, though. So I think that it reminds me of that. Yep. Same. Like you could use it and people are like, yep, that's ironic. And then you like kind of crying inside, but you're like, yep, it is. <laughs> yeah. I just had to call us out because... I knew that, like, if any other fellow English majors were listening, they'd be like, hmm, hmm, hmm. we know. We're just doing it anyway. Yeah, I just figured it was ironic because the literal definition of the chapter is open book. And, like, he literally, ha- everyone is an open book except the one person that he wants it to be. Um. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think there's a double meaning of, like, him being more of an open book than he wants to be with her like making these small realizations about him you know that like his eyes are weird that he knew that she wanted to go by Bella even though he's never spoken to her before like an unwilling open book Mm -hmm. yeah for someone who's trying so hard to be so secretive for Bella to be so intuitive and like like the things that he slipped up on to me, they didn't really seem that that major like if it were me they may have slipped right on past me but like Bella picked up on them very, very quickly and knew something was up, like, right from the get-go. Yeah, she's very, um, you just said intuitive, but yeah, that's the word for it. Mm -hmm. So then he has this whole fucking speech with himself. Let me just say, Paige, girl, strap in, because this is one of about 587 that he's going to have in this book, contemplative internal monologue it's so like Shakespearean to me like I can picture him reading this on stage and like crying about it I was gonna say I'm like question mark question mark question mark (laughs) yep pretty much so yeah this whole speech that he has is like I can't afford to find her interesting or rather she can't afford that because it's too dangerous for me to spend any any amount of time with her so then he goes to Spanish with Emmett, who's waiting for him outside the door. And then Emmett remembers his encounter with someone who, um, whose blood attracted him in the same way that Bella's does for Edward. And we get kind of the story that he did end up killing her. What did you think of this? I thought this particular story, it, it was so classic monstery to me like this reminds me of a monster movie from like the 60s or like like if you were a peasant from the 17th century like this is this is the scary stories that your town talks about like the town monster that like kills someone in the middle of the night it it painted that scene perfectly like yep all of those stories from the past of monsters being real they are real because monsters are real basically so it not only illustrated how irresistible this smell is for them but also it like took me back to 
keep in mind, these are supernatural monster beings. So we're still, that's still a thing that's going on. They still have the potential of brutally murdering people. So don't forget. Yes, definitely. And I do want to say, I know I talk all the time about how much I love Emmett. Um, I just want to say I don't condone this behavior. Obviously, it's awful that he killed an innocent woman. Actually, two. He mentions two, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know the gender of the other person because he doesn't go over that story. But um, yeah, obviously, it's not okay. And it's bad that he's thinking about it because then Edward obviously is thinking about it by extension. So he goes and hides in his car again. I just wanted to say this part made me laugh out loud when they're in Spanish class and Mrs. Goff asks Edward in Spanish, are you okay? And then Edward says like, excuse me, I need to leave in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Goff again in Spanish asks Emmett, like, please, can you go help your brother? Mm-hmm. And Emmett, is just like, sure. They have this like huge, It's, I mean, it's not complex. It's very easy Spanish if you've taken intro Spanish. But like the easiest Spanish word you could know is yes, which is C. And Emmett doesn't respond in Spanish. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. Yes, it is funny. It's very Emmett. Um, and Edward is kind of a dick to him because he's like, He's trying to comfort, Emmett is trying to comfort him, but he's also like, maybe you should just do it. By do it, he means kill Bella, which is shitty. I mean, he has been pro this stance the whole chapter, so I'm not surprised that he's still pro it. I'm not necessarily pro it. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I mean, at least he's, uh, he's sticking with his guns. At least he's staying by his point of view, I guess. Not the right one, but I mean, he, it's, it's nice not nice, but to have different different points of view, different people speaking from different experiences, trying to help in the best way they can, you know? I don't know. Yes, I fully agree. Isn't it Emmett that I said is utilitarianist or whatever? Wasn't it him that I was like, whatever just makes the most sense and, like, you know, gets the job done is what they should do. Maybe I said that that was Alice. No, I did say that was Alice, but I feel like Emmett's kind of the same way. It is a little bit fucked because I don't think that he necessarily sees humans as like on his level. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's where this stems from, where he's just like, whatever's just gonna, you know, be the easiest and create the least amount of mess and also not piss my wife off. That's true. And like, I can, I can have a little bit of redemption for Emmett because I know how fond he is of Bella at the end of Twilight and how, and not necessarily close, but he was so kind to her from the get-go and is, is really likes her a lot. And so I think that he probably would have regretted telling Edward to do that in the future. But um, so I, what I'm trying to say is that I can, I can give him a little bit of leeway because I know that he's like probably it's going to come back around and he's going to redeem himself. Yes, totally. Totally. So Edward goes and hides in his car again. And then he does this insanely while well, he's watching Bella and Jim and he's like annoyed about Mike Newton, but he does this insanely immature thing where he's like, did I want her to see me? Did I hope she would come to speak to me? What was I doing? Am I going to stand outside my car and like puff out my chest? Yes, I am. <laughs> It's another thing where it's like, yeah, you're 108-year-old supernatural creature, but you're also a teenager. <laughs> I was just about to, to say that exact same thing. Yep. Um, so Bella gets to her car, and we already have seen this, but she almost hits someone when she reverses, and Edward cracks up laughing because she just looks horrified, and he thinks it's hilarious that someone like, or that she could think that she would ever be dangerous to anyone, which I'm like, okay, but her truck is big, and if it was, what did she say? compact car but it could have caused some damage i'm just saying um but the chapter ends with him laughing as bella drives past staring straight ahead do you have any notes we didn't cover just one singular one on page 40 it's it's towards the end i would say of their conversation of him asking her questions and she's answering them um, and he mentions, you know, the 
weather is bad and she's commenting that she doesn't like it and he goes you don't like the cold I guess or the wet she agreed Forks must be a difficult place for you to live and then this is kind of like an aside in his head perhaps you should not have come here I wanted to add perhaps you should go back to where you belong one where does she belong this is where her family lives she belongs here arguably more than you Amen. Two, you are literally over a hundred years old and you are in a high school. If anyone does not belong here, it's you. You go back to where you belong. <laughs> I'm silent screaming internally because that was so accurate. <laughs> like like any just the phrase like like you don't belong here, go back to where you belong. It's just I don't I don't want to say triggering, but like, like that phrase is just so rude and like, like full of hate and negative negativity that it's just like, there's no place for you to be saying that to any person. It's just a really horrible thing to say. So just, I was reading it and I was like, all right, didn't like that. And I mean, I think he, he notes that like, I shouldn't have thought that, or like, that was like not a, a good thing for me to have thought, but you didn't have to write it, Stephanie. I didn't like reading it, Stephanie. Yes. To me, it's entitlement. And I feel like that is a huge problem that the Colons have. They are just entitled to everything. They're entitled to live here in proximity of, of humans, putting them at danger, even though like they've had a flawless record in Forks. But they haven't had a flawless record in their entire histories, as we've learned. And they're just entitled enough to put these humans, innocent humans, at danger because they want to live normally, quote unquote, normally. It's just like there is just a lot of entitlement in this family. It's true. And that's what Edward is doing. He's like, this is my turf, bitch. <laughs> yep. Can't argue with that. So for next week, <laughs> we're reading chapter three which is called Risk. What do you think is going to happen? Was there a risk in Twilight? No, this is the first time the chapter has been different. Okay. I think that he's going to go to her house. I think he's going to risk it and go check out what she's up to because, I mean, we know that he does that many, many, many times. And what would be more of a risk than filling yourself with all of the smells of Bella? In a, in a place where you're alone and really, like, only her dad would be there. You know? Yep. Yep. Sounds like a risk to me. Yeah. It's kind of fun doing these predictions because I don't remember what happens in each chapter. I mean, I could check, but I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we will see. Um, I guess that's it. Um, sorry for the heavy nature of this episode, but sometimes we gotta drag these Cullens. Somebody's gotta do it. I mean, everybody's doing it. The entire Twilight Renaissance fandom is doing it, but we gotta do it too. We gotta jump in. I did take a BuzzFeed quiz where it was like, do you rate this couple toxic or not toxic? And it was just like all different couples from all different shows and movies and all this and that. And one of them was Bella and Edward. And I did toxic and 74% of people said that they were toxic. <laughs> and that's that. I mean, I, don't... I did hear that. It's like extremely loud helicopter over my house. Oh my god, it's like shaking my walls. The computer is shaking. They're coming for you, Malcolm. Your sins have finally caught up to you. He's looking at me like, okay. <laughs> what did you say? I said your computer was shaking. It was? Yeah, yeah. Oh god. That was crazy. I wonder if any of our listeners like live in places where there's earthquakes. We do not have them here, so I have no idea what they're like. I feel like they might be like that, though. Possible. Maybe. All right. Well, I've talked long enough, so I'm going to peace out. Um, you can find us on social media at Tuesdays Are for Twilight on Instagram and Tumblr. On Twitter, we are at Taft Pod, T A F T Pod. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. You can email us at Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. 
Um, Paige, I haven't mentioned this to you yet because it's just a germ of an idea in my head, but I'm thinking maybe we could do some kind of fundraiser for, um, don't, or move to higher ground. So I don't know how that would work yet. So if any readers have any readers, I would say readers, (laughs) what are they reading? (laughs) Our Instagram captions. (laughs) If any listeners have any ideas on how to do that, um, let me know. Cause I think it'd be good to do in this new year. That'll be fun. All right, y'all. Well, we'll see you next week for chapter three of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>